I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's November 16th, 2023. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Share, subscribe, tap the notification bell. We are doing a Rubin Report Locals community Q&A today after I get to the the big story of the day, which is oddly, uh, I would say, depressing and personal for me, uh, but lighting fire across the internet, and I sort of had to address it, even though I discussed with Phoenix this morning, is there anything else we can do? Apparently we can't, we have to talk about this Ben Candace thing, so we are gonna get to that. Uh, We will do some uh, questions after, and as always, we are uh, live at 1 p.m. today on People of the Internet, and uh, we'll just see what happens with this whole internet that does seem to be uh, fraying and going off in some crazy uh, directions at the moment. Okay, so let me just address something up top before I get into the Ben Candace thing, and I'm sure some of you, those of you who are not on Twitter, and God bless you for not being on Twitter and don't get on Twitter, and I envy you, to be quite honest, um, you may not have seen it, but but Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens got into a big Twitter spat last night, and then subsequently, like within hours, Candace was on Tucker, on X, on Twitter, uh, but they had obviously taped that before the thing, so some of it seemed somewhat premeditated or whatever. Uh, but the reason this one is going to be a bit difficult for me is I consider myself friends, or at least was friends with the parties involved. Uh, and you know, as I mentioned yesterday, when we did that thing about Nikki Haley, uh, you know, where she wanted to make sure that people on the internet couldn't be anonymous, when I talk about some of these people, I've come to know a lot of these people in some some in different capacities, but like Nikki's literally been to my house for dinner. So it's not the most thing to criti- fun thing for me to criticize her, but obviously it is my job to call balls and strikes as I see them, but that can be kind of difficult. You know, what was it, three or four days ago, I, I covered how Cenk Uger, the host of the Young Turks, he was my boss and we were friendly for some period of time uh, during that, used to play basketball every Sunday. He's gone off the complete deep end and and I would say is basically a Hamas supporting lunatic and going after me constantly. And finally, I, I did one video about him. Like these things happen. I know the presidential candidates, I know these people. It's weird, it's, it's weird. So I just am prefacing all of this by saying that I will try to do this as honestly as possible and I will also try to mend some of this stuff because I know everybody on the internet wants everything to be who owns who and who destroys who and now it is fueled, to Nikki's point yesterday, it is fueled by bots, it is fueled by AI and the worst behaviors go the most viral and the people who are decent get left behind and that is largely part of our problem. It's partly why we why things keep getting worse because the, all the incentive structures on social media and the way we behave with each other incentivize the worst behaviors. So anyway, all of that to be said, I'm going to try to do this right, so bear with me as we do it. So look, I, I have been friends with both Ben and Candace for, for quite some time. I actually uh, was really the first person to put Candace on the map, and you can judge me accordingly. Uh, but Candace was a little YouTuber at first. Her name was Red Pill Black. And the day that I sat down with her, this is back in 2017, this feels like many, many lifetimes ago to me. We sat down in my garage and we were doing something called YouTube Week at the time, where we were just trying to grab YouTubers across all different verticals. You didn't have to be political, but just talk to people about whatever they were doing on YouTube. And somebody brought this girl, Red Pill Black, to me. I I literally did not know Candace's name until a minute before we sat down. I knew her as this Red Pill Black person. 
Anyway, we sat down. I want to start today with a little portion of that first interview that I did with Candace back in 2017. Joining me today is a YouTuber who has done pretty much the scariest thing that one person can do. She has come out as conservative, the scariest of all words. Candace Owens, AKA Red Pill Black. Welcome to the Ruben Report. Thank you, I'm so happy to be here right now. Who is this Candace person? All right, let's just do some history for the people that don't know about you at all. Um, I am, honestly, I'm just, I'm just a girl that makes videos. Uh, the history is I grew up in Stamford, Connecticut. I went to school at the University of Rhode Island, um, pursued a degree in journalism, which is quite ironic. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> someone that studied journalism that's trying to yeah. tell the truth? This yeah. is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after college, I was in a lot of student loan debt. You know, I came from a family that doesn't have any money whatsoever and I had to just pay it back. So the smartest move for me was to go into finance. I hit the ground running in New York City, worked at a private equity firm for four years, uh, left that firm and wanted to do my own anti-bullying startup thing that went really sideways when the left tried to do hit pieces on me during the election, and that was my red pill moment. Okay, so that was just like a little bite. I just wanted you to see like our first, those were literally our first moments ever together. Again, back in 2017, we shot that at about, I think 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Candace, who was there with a friend of hers, uh, they ended up staying over for dinner, many, many bottles of wine and David's famous chicken parm later. She left at probably about midnight and, and we've become very good friends. Uh, subsequently over the years. Here, here's just a couple pictures of Candace and I together over the years. The first one's at a Christmas party. That one's the second one's on her set at the Daily Wire. The third one there obviously is at her wedding. We did not get married ourselves, uh, but that's at her wedding. And uh, the other one is from a, a different appearance when she was on the Rubin Report. So before I dive into the, the fracas between uh, her and Ben, I wanna now jump to my first interview with Ben Shapiro, which was in 2016. So it was just a few months before that. And what you'll find more interesting about this one, perhaps, uh, is that this is when I was just breaking from the left. Like it was just happening and I was like, oh, something's crazy with the left. Let me talk to these scary people on the right. And a lot of people said, talk to this scary guy, Ben Shapiro. All right, well, I'm, I'm very happy that you're here because I have had all of Twitter basically saying to me for about six months, you've got to talk to this guy. This is the guy who will either convert you to conservatism or you guys are just going to hate each other. I'll turn you into a flaming Bernie Sanders socialist. Yeah, that's that's pretty much... Pretty sure you're, that's not the direction. Good, so he'll be a conservative by the end of the conversation. So. Right, well, let's see. Let's see. You would agree that racism exists of course, at some level, in, right? It, that there, there are, are people that are legitimate racists. It would be idiotic to, to think otherwise. Of course, there are legitimate racists and we should target them and we should find them and we should hurt their careers because racism is unacceptable. But what I don't agree with is this, I don't like fighting phantoms, as I said earlier. Yeah. Institutional racism is, is a meaningless phrase. Libraries are not racist. Schools are not racist. You have to show me a law, a policy, a person who's racist. You can't just say American society is racist because that doesn't mean anything. Okay. The same Ben Shapiro that you know now. I do have to say I'm aging quite well, if that's my main takeaway of today's program. Um, here's a couple other pictures of Ben and I over the years. Again, I'm just trying to illustrate. Oh, here's just one. This was the big famous IDW dinner night. That's me and Ben and Eric Weinstein and, and Jordan and Rogan and, and Sam Harris. Anyway, I, I'm showing you all of this just to say these people have been in my world. Uh, friendships in, in different ways. I was just with Ben in London at the Jordan show and all, all of that stuff. Um, so there's a long history there, okay? Uh, I am going to try to do this right, as I said, but this is personal. And I also know that there's a weird thing with the internet, 
which is that no matter how calmly I try to lay any of this out to you, there are a certain set of people that will just try to drag me in on it. And you know, that there are, I, I like, it's, these are inner in, internet things, but there are literally telegram groups where they post people's tweets and then they send the bots to you and all that. Like there is a very evil game being played right now. It also has to do with the TikTok algorithm and everything else, but I will try to address this properly. So should we get to the first, uh, for the first tweet here? Um, and as you know, uh, well, all right, let's get to the first tweet. So Candace tweeted this out yesterday. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness, for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So obviously she is quoting the Bible there, uh, but many people immediately picked up on, uh, especially because of the last line there, that she was going after Ben, because in the course of the last uh, six weeks since October 7th, uh, she's been bizarrely silent. Uh, I think m most objective people would say She's been sort of bizarrely silent about the Hamas atrocities and sort of said, well, I'm not an expert in this area of the world. Although personally, I don't think you have to be an expert to realize that you know chopping women's heads off and, and baking babies alive and all of the other stuff is, you don't have to be an expert in anything to understand that that's bad. But then there's been this sort of like ongoing feud between the two of them. And by the way, there's been an ongoing feud even way before this, because obviously when Kanye West was having his complete meltdown and saying all these horrific things about the Jews and all that, Candace was obviously associated with that and everything else. So clearly people felt she was going after Ben. Like, Ben, you are either for God or for money. Now, Ben at the, at the Daily Wire does pay her salary, but clearly people knew it was, it was a hit on Ben. So Ben retweeted it and wrote this. Candace, if you feel that taking money from the Daily Wire somehow comes between you and God, by all means, quit. Now, before I uh, read Candace's response to that, I think largely what's happening here, some of this stuff is kind of genuine and everyone's emotions are, are a little frayed over the last six weeks or whatever, but I think largely what's happening here is, and I don't know any insider information on this, this is just my suspicion, Candace's contract has gotta be coming to an end, I suppose, in six months or a year or something like that. And obviously Ben has sort of had it with her and as, you know, after the Kanye stuff and everything else, and she kind of wants to get fired, right? Because the best thing for her would be to be fired because then she can use that as fuel to go do something else, whether it's solo or it's with Tucker or whatever, it, whatever else it might be. It doesn't seem like Ben wants to fall for that. So he's basically being like, look, if you have a problem with me and you're making this about money and God and everything else, you can quit. Anyway, Candace then responded to that and said, you have been acting unprofessional and emotionally unhinged for weeks now, and we have all had to sit back and allow it and have all tried to exercise exceeding understanding for your raw emotion. You cross a certain line when you come for scripture and read yourself into it, I will not tolerate it. Um, I, I don't know exactly what that means. He wasn't mocking the scripture. It was fairly obvious she was going after him. Um, also, I don't know what she means about him being like overly emotional or whatever. Yes, a lot of people have been very emotional for this past six weeks. And by the way, it's not just Jews, the, the sheer barbarity of the things that we have seen. Uh, generally, if I think you were a thinking, emotional, functioning person, you would be pretty 
um, upset by what happened, uh, but I think it also would be fair to say that if you were Jewish, per se, although Christians kind of care about Israel too, and that's where Jesus was from and all that kind of thing, uh, you might, there, there was something so horrific about this that you might be a little more emotional, but I just don't really understand what she's saying there. Uh, she then followed up one more time and wrote, uh, you are utterly out of line for suggesting that I cannot quote biblical scripture, the Bible is not about you. Um, again, he didn't say that she can't quote biblical scripture. Um, the Bible is not about you seems like a particularly sort of nefarious little line that she was given there. But okay, again, I'm trying not to attack anyone specifically. I'm just kind of reading it out and give you a little bit of my thoughts on that. Now, what was interesting about the timing of all of this is that T Candace had already taped an interview with Tucker Carlson that was airing last night. So she knew that she had already discussed some stuff about Ben on Tucker because they don't air Tucker live, like I'm doing this live. They had taped it and they were about to air it. And then that fracas happened on Twitter, which then led to, you know, like two hours later, uh, here is a portion of Candace uh, on Tucker Carlson. Of Ben Shapiro, who you work with at the Daily Wire, I think it's fair to say attacking you. Here's the video, I just wanna get your reaction to it. The question is about Candace Owens. I think her behavior during this is disgraceful. Without a doubt, Candace Owens is Again, she still works my company. I think she's been absolutely disgraceful. I think that her, her faux sophistication on these particular issues has been ridiculous. Everybody can see the moves that she's making and the things that she's saying, and I find them disreputable. What is that about? There, there's nothing that he has expressed, in that, at least in that short clip, that he fundamentally disagrees with in terms of what I said. But I will say, I'm not going to respond with the same ad hominem attacks. Yes. I don't think it helps further discussion. And it, if I, that was me that was caught on a video saying that about colleagues that I work with, I would be embarrassed. I would. So I think that the video speaks more to Ben's character than it speaks to mine. Has he texted you to apologize or explain or anything? No, nothing. I haven't heard a single word. It just was sort of something that he said. And you know what? Ben and I have many disagreements, so I don't think that that's particularly something that's interesting. Um, we disagreed on the COVID vaccine. We disagree yes. on Ukraine and Russia. He has taken virtually every stance that has been the opposite of mine on every issue uh, over the last five years. Okay, so I first just want to reiterate something about the timing. This was all sort of planned so that the Tucker thing was going to air with maximum sort of chaos around it, right? Maximum virality around it, which is why she sent out that tweet. And then Ben, in, in his own way, you could criticize Ben and say, Ben, you fell for it, right? You should have just let it be. She, she quoted the Bible. She, clearly, she was going after you. It's obvious. She knows what she's doing. Let's not pretend anything otherwise. Um, but, but Ben did, I suppose, fall for it in that sense. And then again, there are these Telegram channels that then they post tweets and then they send all of the most, the, the worst possible things that you could read about somebody. They, they go after Ben probably more than anybody else. They're not thrilled with me either. Um, but part of this is also that this, this is sort of one of the things that Candace likes to do. And I don't even, and again, Candace, if you're watching this or if your people are gonna send this to you later, I'm actually not going after you personally here. This is, we've gotten into it a little bit on Twitter, actually even, even two weeks ago or so related to uh, some of the Hamas stuff. Um, but she does like to fight with people on Twitter. She's done it with Megyn Kelly and with Steven Crowder and probably even Trump and DeSantis and Jeremy and, who, and Ben and whoever, like, and with rap stars and Kim Kardashian. I don't know exactly, but like, it's part of like what the thing is, right? Um, so Ben said that she has faux sophistication when talking about these issues. I mean, I think that that is, personally, I think that that is a fair issue. We showed you the clip, uh, what was it, last Friday, 
where she was talking about the Muslim quarter in Jerusalem as if Israel keeps Muslims in a specific quarter. Israel is the one that has opened up Jerusalem to everyone. The quarters, the Jewish quarter, the Muslim quarter, the Armenian quarter, have existed for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, had Israel gone in and been like, this quarter can't be Muslim anymore, we have to integrate it, people would have said the Israelis are racist. Uh, Chinese people live in Chinatown. Um, so she has had a level of faux sophistication. Uh, but it's also, she says that he's not criticizing what I say, but I think a lot of the criticism, criticism that's been leveled at her has been it's what she won't say, like just flat out say that Hamas is bad and, and all of the obvious stuff. I think that that's what some of the criticism is. And I have no doubt this, I'm just paving the way for me to get involved in this, which is not really what my intention was, but it's just how it is. Um, okay. So now I want to jump back for a second to uh, to another clip on Tucker last night, because this, I think, maybe gets to the heart in a less personal way about what's going on here largely in terms of our national conversation. So here they are talking about the how the emotions over the last month, um, in Tucker's estimation, have been dysregulated. There's also, I can't help but notice that I, I, your views reflect mine, I would say, pretty much. I'm, I'm an American. I was horrified by what happened on October 7th. I think it was pretty strange. Um, I don't really understand how it happened, but innocents died, and that's awful. And I hated watching that. And I feel so sorry for the Israelis um, who were killed. However, there's an emotional response that is disproportionate, I think, on the part of some commentators. I mean, our country's being invaded right now by millions of young men whose identities we don't know, who probably don't even like America, and they're now living here. Over 100,000 Americans die every year of fentanyl. I've known a couple. Those are real tragedies. I've never seen anything like the emotion from any commentator around those tragedies as I'm watching about a foreign tragedy. I think that's odd. Okay, first off, I have to address one thing up top, which is that this is not purely a foreign tragedy. Uh, we think that probably 20 Americans were killed and that there are probably 12 Americans that are still hostages right now. I don't, I don't see any emotion from them about that. That, that may, may, look, I will grant the, the longest leash possible. Maybe that was a total oversight on Tucker's part right there. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but I wanna hit a couple points here. Uh, you know, a few things can be true at once. Tucker is not wrong that as Americans, we should always prioritize America's interests first before any nation. When he talks about conservative commentators, I don't think he's talking about me specifically, but do I talk about this the border virtually every day on this show and connect that to the drug problem and what it's doing to our inner cities and everything else? I have no doubt that Ben Shapiro is doing that as well and Glenn Beck is doing that as well and everything else. So, uh, he's, he, so that's just one little piece here. But Americans ought to be able to be pro-America first and, and understand that there are people who slightly emote differently and prioritize differently and all of those things. And by the way, we have candidates who address these things a little bit differently, right? We have Trump who addresses it in one way and DeSantis who addresses it in one way and Nikki Haley who addresses it in one way. But the point is that we should be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, right? And of course, you should be able to be concerned about our border and want our border. I mean, how many times have on this show have I said that we should be closing down our border and we should not be letting any of these people in and we have to figure out who's here and we're gonna have to get rid of some of them and all of those things. And we all know, I know people who have died of fentanyl. I know someone who's, who's hooked on fentanyl right now. Um, so everyone is concerned about these things. It is possible 
that the sheer barbarity of the event and, and the videos that we've shown you here and some of the ones that you've seen elsewhere or that I don't even wanna show you uh, would, would jar some people into being more emotional. It is also possible that Jews in general might be, generally speaking, a little more thin-skinned when there's a massive attack against them because Jews have been pogromed and holocausted and everything else across the globe. So Jews might be a little more sensitive to that. Uh, but it is also true that we should all care about not only the American citizens over there, but that there is a civilizational battle happening right now, right? What have I been saying for weeks now? If, if you think that when they're done with the Jews over there, they're going to magically be done with the Jews in London, but it's not the Jews, that's the point, that they're gonna magically be done with all the Western values in London and Paris and Belgium and Montreal and everywhere else. Well, of course they're not going to be. It is just going to be the beginning so when, when they're going for the Jews now, it is the whites next. And I think I have offered a pretty fair defense of white people on this show, a well-deserved uh, uh, defense, because of course the Jews are just the first line in what actually is going on here. So then it hearkens to the, to the question, does this mean that America should get involved militarily and, and send our troops across the Middle East and everything else? No, I'm not for that. I'm actually not for that. What I am for is that we can offer a lot of diplomatic support. We can offer a, a certain amount of weapons as needed to understand to beat an evil terrorist organization the same way we defeated ISIS and nobody said that we shouldn't be allowed to. We might wanna do something like that. Um, but okay, all of that said, uh, I did respond to that clip on Twitter uh, and a lot of people thought I kind of nailed it, I just sort of summed it up right now. But I said, there are at least 12 American hostages. Note they don't get emotional about them at all. Like, like if this is about Americans, shouldn't Tucker and Candace be really emotional about those uh, Americans that are likely under the Shifa host hospital right now? Also, virtually every conservative-leaning commentator has been talking about the border and drug trafficking. Maybe something uniquely horrific about what Hamas did is causing emotion. So. There is a weird element there related to, oh, it's a, you know, like some people say Israel has a disproportionate response. And basically what Tucker and, and Candace are saying is, oh, they're having a disproportional emotional response to 1500 people dead, which again would be like 10 9-11s or whatever it is, 15 9-11s, you know, when you mark it up for uh, relative population. Um, I also have no problem saying something that I've consistently said on the show, which is we should build a wall we should have that border, as I already referenced. We should figure out how to stop the fentanyl crisis from happening. I happen to think Ron DeSantis would be the best guy to do that, but Donald Trump would certainly be better than Biden. And then we also do have to figure out, because this would be the most American thing that we could do. We are going to have to figure out who is in this country illegally first, but then also legally, who are bloodthirsty terrorist sympathizers and co-coordinators and all of that who are would be happy to have buses blow up that would kill Jews and white people and black people and Asians and so forth, right? Because all of those groups and every other group that I didn't mention there, Native American and Indian American and everything else, are Americans, are Americans. And that is what they are coming after. So just because you're concerned more about the border doesn't make you an anti-Semite, obviously, but just because you're concerned about the barbarity that just, that just happened in Israel doesn't make you like some sort of America last BLM activist. And we better start realizing that because watching the right fray right now, and maybe that was, maybe, they, they, maybe they're just all playing us like a fiddle, 
Um, but none of these things are mutually exclusive. And, and that's what it means to be an American. So that walk and chew gum thing, like we can do a bunch of stuff at once. We don't have to blow apart the world to occasionally do things that are right across the, across the pond, right? We are, America is the dream of the world and has been the most extraordinary nation in the world because we are a melting pot who all share one thing in common. We are all Americans, right? We all had our foods and our traditions and our musics and our music and our cultures and our clothing. And we all came here and we built something born out of the Judeo-Christian tradition. And by the way, it is a Judeo-Christian tradition, right? Christianity was born out of Judaism. These two things are distinct and different, but this country has room for both of those peoples. And it has room even for peoples that do not believe in that, uh, but they have to believe in the institutions that we create. And we have been under a decade long, uh, many decade long, but hyper, uh, hyper attack in the last decade of all of our institutions. Our media has failed us, our education has failed us, and now, and now the algorithms are making us crazy, the bots are making everybody crazy, and we have some work to do because the, the last thing that we should be doing right now is that I suspect as, although obviously I fall, let's say, a little more in the Ben camp on, on this feud with Candace, that Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens probably mostly wanna live in the same country together. Probably, and I guess I can't speak for both of them right now. Uh, but at least, or let's put it this way, how about the people that largely support Candace and the people that largely support Ben generally tend to be right-leaning people. They tend to be partly you guys watching this, right? You just might like the way Ben speaks a little faster than me, or you might like the, you might listen, like listening to Candace for whatever reason, or me for whatever reason. But all of us that are roughly on this side of thing, that we understand how evil the woke left is, that we understand that collectivism is the enemy and all of that. This thing that's happening right now is not good. And we better figure out how to uh, uphold our traditions before we shred them all right in front of our eyes because that's exactly what they want us to do. So now I have one more thing before you before we get to the, uh, the community Q&A because The Rock, yes, The Rock of all people. I get most of my deep philosophical and religious uh, and patriotic notions from The Rock. Uh, he was on Joe Rogan and he talked a bit about this, it was in the context of talking about the, the horrific fire in Maui from a couple months ago, but talked about what brings America together. In the middle of the ocean that's created islands. Yeah. And that's America. 50th state. Yeah, it's f***ing <laughs> wild. But if, we, if that is America, we should treat it like it's America and we should protect it like it's America and we should help them like it's America. Protect it to the core. And 700 bucks per person is not doing that at all, a one-time payment. It's so insulting and so insane in the yeah. light of all this public knowledge of the amount of money that we're sending to other countries. Yeah, we know what we did on this fund, just so you know, it's $1,200 per month. Oh, that's great. It's great for months and uh, any, anyone yeah. who's verified and you know with Polynesian culture, um, there's it's uh, there's a lot of people in the house at times like aunties and uncles and grandparents. Mm -hmm. So there's some houses that are getting four, five, six thousand dollars. That's great. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. And again, it should be coming from the government, and it could be done. It's not something that couldn't be done. I mean, it's something that everybody would support. Take care of our own. Take care of our own first. Yeah, I mean, what? Yes. What are we if we're not a yes. country? If we're not it's the same thing with family. Yes. Right? Like you would take care of your family yes. first. I take care of my family first. Yes. Take care of our American people. It's a community. It's, we should be a community. Yeah. And we're so divided and polarized right now. And I think a lot of that is accentuated by social media. 
it's funny, Rogan saying, take care of us first. Like that's Donald Trump stuff. Rogan did not vote for Donald Trump either time, as far as I know. I don't think he voted either time, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm happy to be corrected on that. Uh, but the point, the overriding point is yes, Amer what's happening right now is we have, we have so many people that can now blatantly see that our government is not taking care of us first, that we are now fighting with each other over whatever the scraps are, and that is not good. And that doesn't mean we can't do good in the world. You know, it doesn't mean you have to nation build everywhere. I think that large experiment is over. And most of the people who were for nation building uh, are in the dustbin of history at this point. But if we are not the world's leader, guess what? China gladly will be. And China might just take over California because they're, they've got Xi Jinping in San Francisco literally today and they cleaned up the cities for him. So we might just start selling our cities and our states to China. Do you think the world would be better off if China had a bigger role and the United States had a lesser role? Again, that doesn't mean we have to bomb every country, but, the, but if we could get back to what our national ethos is and what the purpose of America was, and if we could spread those ideas, not by gun, but by, by through culture and through goodness and through teaching people what freedom really means, that would be good for basically everybody. Uh, so, well, I can already see we have a couple questions about the Candace thing uh, in the community, so let's just dive right into it. So Matthew says, do you believe Candace Owens' career on the Daily Wire is on thin ice? Well, of course it's on thin ice, and, it, and it's been on thin ice probably. I, I, I'm not speaking for anyone at the Daily Wire. I want to be clear about that. Um, it's obviously been on thin ice to some degree for a while, right? Like she helped usher in this Kanye thing. Kanye, can we at least all say that Kanye is a bit of a Jew hater, right? I'm not sitting here telling you Candace is a Jew hater, but can we at least all say that Kanye is? Um, and she has offered a, a, a huge defense of him over, over time, right? And by the way, when Kanye first came out and was waking up and you know his original tweet was, uh, I like the way Candace Owens thinks, and that was while Candace was big in Trump world. Like I was excited about that. It felt like, wow, there was gonna be this ushering, an awakening within the black community. I hate those phrases, but uh, that black people were suddenly gonna be like, oh, I, we don't have to vote 90% Democrat. And by the way, when you as a group vote 90% one way, that the people you're voting for cut suddenly realize, oh, we don't have to do anything for these people because they keep voting for us no matter what. Um, but again, I think what's happening right now is she knows that, they're, that the Daily Wire obviously is not gonna renew her contract, right? They're not. You know, she had a talk show that I did many times in front of a live studio audience. It was very expensive. That show folded. So they, they, there may be financial reasons. Maybe there wasn't enough viewership. I, I, I'm not privy to the in, inside analytics on all of that. But the point is there's enough tension there at this point. And I've seen a whole bunch of people that have canceled Daily Wire because they're not happy that they haven't gotten rid of her, that I that it's it's just fairly obvious. Like I know enough about contracts that I know enough, and I've negotiated with all of these companies from Daily Wire to Blaze and Rumble and all these guys and Fox and blah, blah. Like she wants to get fired because the, the chaos of being fired would be like, oh, see, it would basically be like, see, Ben the Jew and Daily Wire, they fired me. Now I'm gonna go build my own thing. Like it would, it would add rocket fuel to whatever she wants to do next. And by the way, she has every right to do whatever she wants to do next. Quinn says, I questioned renewing my Daily Wire Plus subscription due to the feud, but after watching Candace's interview with Tucker, decided to go ahead and renew. I watch more of other shows on there anyway, and my son likes the new Bent Key shows. The MAGA or America First versus GOP establishment seems to be a wider gap than 2015. It tends to show in the House of Representatives voting on bills. How do they try to come together during the general election? Well, first off, everyone should spend their dollars as they see fit. So you may not like Candace, but as you said, if your kid likes the Ben Key stuff, so Ben Key is their new um, 
it's their kids programming on Daily Wire, then it's like, you have to make that choice, right? Like there are people who choose uh, to support us on Locals and some people wanna watch and don't support, some people don't have the means, like everyone, and everyone in their own way, like, or not everyone, but most people have like a certain budget, let's say, for entertainment every month. And you could be like, all right, well, I do want to spend the 14 bucks. I, you know, I've got 30 bucks. Well, 14 of it's going to Netflix and five bucks is going to Ruben. And then I've got, you know, 12 bucks left. And, you know, maybe that's going to the Daily Wire or it's going to this, or I just want to buy a freaking beer, you know, whatever it might be. So you should vote with your dollars, right? I, I, I absolutely firmly believe that. And those of you who support me here, allow me to just do what I think is right and not be associated with anybody. So there you go. Um, oh, but sorry, but your question really was that the, the, the fraying of the movement. So there now seems to be this, let's say it's like a Tucker Candace road that we can go down here. And there seems to be more of, I don't know, I don't, even, I don't want to make it about Tucker and Candace and Ben. Anyway, you, you can all see what the fissures is starting to look like. Honestly, I think there's a way out. I think DeSantis is the guy that's way out. By the way, Candace took a couple really cheap shots at DeSantis in the interview, implying that he was a neocon and all the people supporting him are never Trumpers. And it's like it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Everyone I meet everywhere I go are two times Trump supporters or at least one time Trump supporters. They all say the same thing. We've just had it with the drama. And we think DeSantis is a better, younger version of all of this. And he's done such a great job in Florida that we can move that forward. Um, but I think, I think a Florida model without drubbing the, the horse the dead horse on this is the model out that where you're still doing all, as DeSantis often says, no one has been more America first than him and, and accomplished more of the goals of that movement. Uh, and when you say, if, if you're concerned about the border and you want some people deported and all of those things, it's like, who's gonna do it? Who has the best track record of doing what they say? I think the answer is obvious. Elizabeth says, is there a way for us to push, push past the propaganda and convince people of what is really true? I do not know, Elizabeth, I do not know. I, I am trying to do it desperately, but it is getting increasingly difficult. And I'm telling you, there are so many levels to how screwy this whole thing is right now. I don't, I'm not trying to black pill you guys. You know, I'm, I try to do this and always veering towards we can get out of this. And by the way, we can get out of this and we will get out of this. That is the story of humanity. That is literally the story of the Bible, if we can go biblical. Um, humans will always go through horrible times and evil will always be there. And there are ways out. That That is the point of of the, the story of being a human. Uh, but we have, we have very special conditions right now. The algorithms and the fact that we know specifically TikTok, but, but it's the other ones too, are pushing mass in disinformation. And I don't think you, the answer necessarily is banning TikTok. And I certainly don't think the answer is that nobody can be anonymous online, but we have a confluence of things happen. So we have a Chinese app that is pushing all sorts of divisive information to our children. Then we have, we have educators who don't educate. So kids, are, kids' brains are being blown apart. And if you thought that confusing kids about their gender would just stay in the realm of gender, well, once you get a kid to be like, oh, my parts don't match what my brain says, then they're confused about everything. And then you start pushing on all sorts of anti-American stuff and you have people, you have queers for Palestine literally chanting, to destroy the one country where they could live while they're chanting alongside the people who would gladly behead them. But if you've already chopped your genitals off, I guess your head maybe isn't that important. So we have an algorithmic problem. We have the bot problem also, right? Like it's, it is a huge problem. And I'm telling you, I saw someone sent me one of like these neo-Nazi telegram groups where they have hundreds of thousands of people in them. And what they did was they posted Ben's tweet in, the, in there and then they said, go ahead and ratio it so that 
thousands of people then come into Ben's mentions and write all sorts of awful things. And it makes it seem like, oh, no one agrees with Ben because they're manipulating the system. So we have those problems. We have the problem that our political leaders aren't that great and all of those things. Like it, it is a wild mess right now. And on top of the fact that there are there is a massive uh, war happening in the Middle East, we've still got the Russia-Ukraine thing. China's making a move clearly on California. Like there is a lot of stuff right now. I have nothing better to do to save the world, do you? Amy says, are you making any special dish or dessert for the boys to enjoy for their first non-bottled non Thanksgiving meal? Yes, they are mostly on solid food foods. Thank you for changing the topic. Really appreciate it. Um, they are mostly on solid foods these days, although still doing some bottles. Uh, you know, when we had both of their first birthdays, uh, my sister-in-law, Kaylin, she made the most extraordinary, uh, we showed it in the locals community, these incredible cakes with no sugar, like literally using like pea dye to color, P-P-E-A, pea dye, like peas, dye to like color the cake and it was made out of like yogurt and cottage cheese or whatever to get let them mash their cakes. So these kids are eating organic and super healthy and it's reflective definitely in their health and their size. They're both huge and happy. Um, what will be the special thing? I don't know, maybe, can we, maybe we'll try some apple pie with them. Like we've, they've like basically had no sugar, but maybe like little apple pie might be good or I'll give them some of my smoked turkey, we shall see. Uh, ben says, what movies are you enjoying these days? Anything recent? Man, you know, I still haven't seen Oppenheimer. I know everyone's telling me I gotta see it. It comes out on Apple TV, I think next week. So we'll probably do that with the family during Thanksgiving. Um, I have not seen anything new or interesting. I told you guys, the, the show that I'm watching right now, but it's on HBO and they only release it every Sunday. It's old school. They don't let you binge watch it that way is um, The Gilded Age, which is really interesting. It's about the, the aristocrats of New York City on the Upper East Side in, in around the 1880s. And it was written by Julian Fellows who wrote Downton Abbey. And I really love Downton Abbey, just seeing that uh, Downton Abbey, which of course took place in you know 1920s, 30s, maybe in, not quite into the 40s, 20s and 30s uh, in England, what life was like there for the rich people upstairs and the servants downstairs. Uh, and then you see a version of that in America in what, we call the Gilded Age. Uh, all right, we're getting some questions live on the fly today to uh, mix it up. Florida Man Chuck says, Jordan Peterson asks, asks the question all the time, but what in your opinion would need to happen for people on the left to finally come to their senses and throw their hands up with this whole charade? Does Hamas need to attack someone in the alphabet mafia in America or does someone have to die from gender reassignment surgery or become completely mutilated from it all uh, to all be too far? This is the this is the maybe the most important question right now because after uh, the the October seventh attacks we saw this wake up of a lot of people on the left. Now it tended to be uh, a lot of Jewish people, lefties, Democrat lefties, but then a lot of other people, just like the moderate Democrat types, were like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? It's our guys who are now chanting for more genocide. It's our guys who are excusing these like unspeakable uh, acts and all of that stuff. They start waking up, and that's also what's what's a shame about this Ben Candace thing. And it's partly why I almost didn't want to cover it today. Because that's a thing that's happening on Twitter. Now it's it's bursting forth into the mainstream, and, and I, I'm sure it'll be all over YouTube and Rumble and everywhere else today. But I kind of was like, maybe if I just ignore it a bit, or give it a pause for a couple days, it won't just add more to it. Because when you see the ugliness that's happening on the right right now, and that's what I'm addressing here, 
Um, and some of that I do put at the foot of Candace. I put some of it at the foot of Tucker. And by the way, and, and again, Tucker, who I like and wrote a blurb for the back of my book and all that stuff. It's like, no, no one is above criticism, right? I'm not above criticism either. Um, but why it's so disappointing with what's happening on the right right now is there's, there's a huge swath of people, a group of people that I always say are the one group of people who could move, who could actually vote a different way. And we know that because the amount of liberals who have moved down to Florida or to Texas who now vote solidly red, well, if they start seeing chaos on the right, what the hell's going on with these people? And that's a whole bunch of craziness over there. I thought Dave said they were kind of decent. Then they are just going to be pushed back to the Democrats. So it's, it's a huge problem. I don't know what it will take. Like, do I, you're right though. You're right. Would it take a Hamas style bus bombing or suicide bombing or another unspeakable thing to happen here to wake some people up? Would it take, well, look, the we, we know the answer is kind of no. The movement itself doesn't stop. You know, the movement might've taken pause when a trans person with a, uh, with a grudge shot up that Christian school, but I didn't see the trans movement stop. And now the trans movement has, is largely because intersectionality is a movement forged in hell. Uh, now they're just continuing. So I don't know, I don't know. Susan says, why can't people just talk face to face? Stop with the public social media fights. It puts these people at the same level as the controlling media and government clowns. It's gotten increasingly difficult. You know, you guys know, like for, especially for those of you that have been with me since the beginning, some of those clips we showed you earlier from, from 16 and 17, like it was much easier for me years ago to sit down with people who, who thought differently than me. And I suppose it was because I was on the left and I was waking up to what was happening on the right. So I was willing to have that conversation, but I have always found conservatives and religious people generally far more willing to engage in open conversation. And right now we're seeing that devolve uh, because emotions are high. And, and again, I think emotions should be high. I think it was a really, um, I will not besmirch Tucker's intent with the question, but I think if he would have perhaps thought about it a little bit more, he would have understood why emotions are so high, why perhaps a specific group of people in this case might be a bit emotionally sensitive about this thing. Again, I haven't seen Ben's emotions be dysregulated. Actually, one of the most beautiful, maybe the most beautiful thing that I've seen since this all has happened is that when I was at the, the show at, at the O2 in London with Jordan and there were about uh, probably 20,000 people there, Ben was the surprise guest. And when, they, when Jordan introduced Ben, the applause were insane, like absolutely insane. But what you could tell were the applause were not just because it was Ben, it was because of what Ben represented. And it was important for those people in that audience in London where they have had some of the most outrageous protests and calls for genocide and, the, and the, the attacks on their monuments and all of those things. You could feel that Ben was in some ways an avatar for something else. And it wasn't an avatar for, oh, applaud the Jew. It was an avatar for, oh, applaud the guy that's fighting alongside of us that wants to live in a Western society the way we wanna live in a Western society, which again is why I would say the fight for Israel is the exact same fight that ultimately will be the fight for America because it's not gonna stop with Israel and it's the same fight that will be the fight to save Britain and France, et cetera. Uh, Richard says, do you think the reason that conservatives, particularly Republicans fail so often is that the minute they enjoy any success slash momentum, they turn on each other? Well, I suppose we're seeing a version of that right now. I don't know that there's been a lot of wins 
for conservatives or Republicans lately. I mean, just look at the elections a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I think the, the, the greater point on that is that the left largely has become a cult-like movement. You believe in everything we believe, when we believe it, and if you do not get on board, and if you don't um, ascribe to our oppressor, oppressor, oppressed narrative, and all of those things, if you don't do it the second we want, you are evil. And that, that is a cult-like narrative. You're either with us or against us, right? And people on the right, conservatives, Republicans, tend to be more agree to disagree. And that's not the way it's framed, right, through culture, right? Culture would tell you that religious people are the most dogmatic and everything else. But again, I have consistently found, usually evangelical Christians, to be quite honest, uh, the, the most open and decent, but religious people by and large. When we were in Israel, in Jerusalem, we had a Shabbat dinner for my entire team with a uh, ultra-Orthodox, very, very religious family in Jerusalem. They knew who I am. They're fans of the show. They know about me and who I'm married to and all of those things, and they welcome their home to us. And I would say that's the same exact thing that I've seen out of the Christian community. The, the left has figured out a way to keep everyone so hysterical all the time that they are, they are bound by something that is not good, but it does keep them tight. And the right is bound more by individual rights, more by freedom, and the glue of that should be much tighter but the glue of that, because there's a respect for who you are and how you behave and understanding that, oh, you don't want to create a government that will tell exact, exactly everybody exactly how to live, that glue is, is more susceptible to, to being melted and not working. They know that, man. Joe says, Dave, my husband and I are coming to Florida to march to explore the Keys. Before we fly back home to Boise, we re relocated here three years ago from outside of Seattle and love it. Congratulations on getting out of Seattle. We have four nights planned to stay in Miami to enjoy the beach. Any suggestions on a location or specific hotel? Oh man, you know, I'm, I'm a homebody now. And like, I have barely got out in the last year. Specific hotel. Um, you know, the W Hotel in, I think it's in South Beach, has a really awesome uh, rooftop. Was it the W? Look at the W over there. Has a pretty awesome rooftop bar and, uh, uh, what else? What else is good? You, you guys are young. You're hanging out. The Standard Hotel. It's a little younger, kind of funky. What else we got? What about, give me a restaurant, something. Where do people go? You go, go yeah, go to Coco Walk in, uh, in Coconut Grove. It's just like a great, clean city atmosphere. A lot of great little restaurants and all that stuff. Um, I wish I knew more. I basically don't go anywhere anymore. Um, but I used to go out. I was cool. Uh, Jill says, can you recommend an affordable tequila under 50 bucks? Well, first off, we are working on my tequila right now. It is it is basting in the casket. Stay tuned on that. Uh, affordable under 50 bucks. Right. So the one that I'm always promoting to you guys is, is Clas Azul. I just love it. And I know it, it's expensive. It's like 150 bucks. But I just think it's great. And it's, it's just very accessible in terms of flavor palette for people that don't necessarily love tequila. Uh, tequila Ocho uh, is under 50 bucks. It's probably around... You probably get the Reposado for like 40 bucks. It's clean, it's pure, there are no additives. It's, it's really, really pleasant and drinkable and, and you can sip it, let me know what you think. Uh, Talway says, what are your thoughts on the people who attended dinner with Xi Jinping, like Tim Cook and Larry Fink and Stanley Deal? Just business as usual PR, is this a sign of them continuing to move closer to the communist regime's ways? And what takeaways uh, should Americans have? So I didn't see that specifically, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. I think there is a big problem happening right now in California and it's being exported 
probably throughout the entire country, not through just through some of these companies, but also with Gavin, what Gavin Newsom just showed us. Gavin Newsom showed us that you can, as a Democrat, do the right thing when it comes to these cities. You can clean up. You can make sure your streets are safe for people. You don't have to have fentanyl and everything else everywhere. Again, many people have been complaining about the fentanyl thing. How many stories have I done about San Francisco, Tucker, right? Like, but Gavin, I think, was doing a little test. Can we put the Chinese flags up all over San Francisco, have a mass uh, a rally for communist leaders and communist leaders who consolidate power and treat their people very poorly? Maybe I can kind of bring them here and we can start importing some of those ideas, right? I think we thought when, when we sort of defrosted relations with China over the last couple of decades, I think we thought that China would veer more towards freedom. But it seems to me we are realizing we are veering more towards, towards authoritarianism, and that's probably because we have a bunch of bad leaders and a culture that doesn't know how to defend itself. Uh, okay, a couple more on the fly. Tonka says, why are the Republicans doing such an awful job I'm sorry, such an awful job capitalizing on the loony left's ridiculous policies, including their march towards socialism. It seems like the opportunity of a lifetime to make Republicans the majority party, but aren't we, they, blowing it? Is it Trump, populism, something else? Look, I am still hopeful for the presidential election. As I have said, and I know no, you know, no one else in conventional wisdom is saying it, I don't know why Kim Reynolds, a super popular governor of Iowa, decided to throw in with a guy that we're supposed to believe is 50 points down, who just went to all 99 counties and everything else in Iowa. I think Iowa is going to surprise people. I really do. Uh, maybe I am just a dreamer, but whatever happens at the end of this thing, I did what I thought was right the entire time. That, that's one thing. Uh, but, oh, but the reason I mention that is because there was such an opportunity for Republicans. Imagine if Trump had said, you know what, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to sit this one out, but I, but DeSantis is the future, obviously. Look what he's done in Florida. It's why I live in Florida. It's why my grandchildren and all my kids live in Florida. Look what he did on COVID. Look how he's gotten ESG out of schools and he fought Disney. He, he's younger. He's ready to roll. Let's do this. I will defend him. I will run rallies. I will fight the media on his behalf. We could have the most united Republican Party probably, probably in the history of America. I would say even bigger than Ronald Reagan's reelection when he won, I think, 49 states. Like most people would be getting it right now. DeSantis would be able to bring in some new people. The MAGA base would be happy. Like that would be it. Now you could be watching this going, Dave, but what about the reverse of that? How about DeSantis should have just stepped out or he should have endorsed Trump? The problem is that a certain set of people just hate Trump no matter what. We know that Trump already has some sort of uh, a ceiling on his, the amount of people who are gonna vote for him, right? Like where are the new Trump voters? It's just a simple thing. And again, if Trump thinks that the election was stolen, and then why do the polls matter right now? Meaning the national polls, when he's pimping out the idea that he's up in five of the six swing states, it's like, well, okay, that's that's nice to hear. I'm glad to hear that truly. But why does it matter if they stole if they stole it from you? Like, you have to address that. You just have to address that. So it is a damn shame what's happening with the Republican Party. I would say actually your question is directly related to why the Candace and Tucker situation is frustrating and why I promise you that I will continue to do my best to, to put these pieces together and not have everybody at everybody's throats. But I suppose that's gonna be the hardest position to have. Huh. That's funny. Jancy says, have you been surprised at John Fetterman's support for Israel? It's really bizarre. Look, I have been very critical of Fetterman. The guy has trouble stringing the sentences together. We get all that. I think that the idea that you're gonna wear sweatshirts 
and, and the lack of professionalism and all that, but he's been bizarrely good on Israel. The fact that there is a Democrat that is like fighting and doing the right thing is good. Who knows? Everything is so, it's just, we're in a milieu of lunacy at the moment. And you got to pick when you find the bright spots, like let's find that bright spot. Whoever it's with, oh my God, that Democrat's not a lunatic. Let me see if I can build some bridges there. That Republican hasn't completely gone off into the deep end on this thing. Let's see if we can bring those things there. And again, guys, that's what America used to be, right? That's what America used to be. Good liberals and good conservatives used to sit down all the time. They would do TV shows together. They would break bread together. Sometimes they would even marry each other. The thing that we're dealing with now is much more dangerous. And just remember, it's largely artificial. It's largely algorithm-based. It's largely bot-based. It's largely based in a, in a grifting class of pundits that want you to keep hating everybody. And again, I suppose the challenge for me, the challenge for you, and the challenge for everybody who loves America is not to fall for it. This has been a very bizarre show for me. I hope I hope that uh, I didn't open the gates of hell on me uh, with the with the bots and the monsters, but I probably did. And you know what? Either way, I've got kids in a decent life, and I like the people I work with. And what are we having for lunch today? Okay. Oh, we're having Israeli food for lunch, which that'll really now freak them out. Thanks for watching, guys. Post game show in just a sec. RubenReport.locals.com. Oh, and by the way, my uh, you know we've been laying out all these arc interviews. We did so many of them, it just took a little time. Uh, my full interview with Yaron Brook from the Ayn Rand Institute is up right now. Uh, and another reminder that we have started a new Twitter account just for show clips to make that stuff very easily shareable. It's at Ruben Report Show. We'll see you guys on the other side of postgame and then at one o'clock on People of the Internet. Oh, and we've got a, close uh, a cold close for you. How about wise Ronald Reagan? All of it began the first time some of you who know better and are old enough to know better let young people think that they had the right to choose the laws they would obey as long as they were doing it in the name of social protest. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.